Welcome back to the Politics Unboxed podcast. My name is Reese, and today uh, it is the second part of the Politics Unboxed interview with EJ Fawcett. If you haven't heard the first part, go back and check it out. It is episode 18 of the Big Picture series on my podcast. Uh, if you have listened to that first one, brilliant. Here is part two. Uh, we're going to go into some more global uh, climate topics. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Um, you mentioned uh, in an answer a, a while ago, you thought this might be a, a good sort of a launching off point for potentially uh, a greener world. Whilst it might not be the case that all governments take on board or even some governments take on board recommendations, what do you think uh, the, the potential avenues for progress after the coronavirus might be in terms of policy and potential changes to the way we run our, our systems of government in the world? So I think the biggest thing that could be done is instituting the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several principles of the Green New Deal, and it is based off of uh, Roosevelt's New Deal, which got, uh, well, which contributed to getting America out of the Great Depression. And chances are, after COVID, the economy is going to be either completely wrecked or at least uh, <laughs> severely diminished. Yeah, I mean, we've just seen recently, so, uh, was it 20%? Um, decrease in the UK GDP from April, I think it was. Sorry, just to add yeah, some flesh exactly. onto the, the bones, continue, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no worries. So, yeah, it's exactly that. Like The economy is not really going anywhere good at the moment. So not only would a Green New Deal, which provides green jobs, uh, green education, uh, and so many opportunities to the British public, not only would it help us fight the climate crisis, it could also really help to reinvigorate the economy uh, post-COVID. But in terms of other policies that world governments could put in, there's a a lot. Um, Subsidies into into, uh, renewable energy, uh, getting rid of subsidies for animal agriculture and the dairy industry because a lot of people don't realize how heavily subsidized those industries are and they are some of the worst industries for the climate crisis so when it comes to stuff like that i am in favor of letting uh, the, the free market actually do its thing on those ones because they're completely unsustainable long term um those are just a couple of the bigger things that I think the world governments can do, because if we tried to talk about everything, we'd be here all day and would not get the rest yeah, of the there, there is there is a lot within uh, within the Green New Deal. It was getting quite a lot of, of traction in the American primaries, especially with uh, candidates like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on the, the Democratic side. Uh, do you think it has that traction still with Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee? don't think so. I have a lot of doubts about Joe Biden. Obviously, these are my own personal views and they don't reflect, uh, necessarily reflect the views of, of the course. network, um, which is that I don't think that Joe Biden, uh, I, I, w- I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's that he doesn't care or if he just doesn't understand the urgency of the climate crisis in the way that people like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and also other um uh, other American politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and um, uh, Ilhan Omar, I often find myself getting 
well, feeling rather annoyed uh, when I see certain American politicians who claim to be for the people, yet are against instituting things such as the Green New Deal or Medicare for All. Uh, so I don't really have much hope when it comes to people like Joe Biden. Uh, all I can really hope is that he's better than Donald Trump. Whilst we're just on the topic of, of Biden, who would you like to see as a potential vice presidential pick? I know it's slightly off off topic, but... Um... Um, I mean, if I could go for anyone, it would probably be someone like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, just because maybe they could get through to him if they were in that sort of position of power and, and they were the running mate. Maybe they could get some of those policies put in. Uh, so I think that would sort of be... Um, Sort of, sort of be the, the the best thing to hope for. I also think it's a shame that you have to be a certain age to be able to run for American president because I think some of the younger Justice Democrats would be amazing running mates and also just amazing presidential. Candidates. Yeah, it's a it's a slightly weird um, ruling that one. Is it thirty five to run for for president? It's yeah. quite quite a weird, but uh, such a, a barrier on it when a lot of potential candidates are are below that age. Um, anyway. So... Well, maybe that's the reason for potentially, it. Potentially, potentially, the, the the cynics may may view it that way. Um, now we've we've talked a little bit about the Green New Deal. I've actually got some information off their uh, their website that I've been looking into a little bit. Their first report was published in July two thousand and eight. Um, do you have? It was Andrew Sims, uh, I right? I believe so. Yes. Do you hold out hope that uh, people are are still receptive to it, despite it getting a little bit of uh, well, it's been uh, slandered in, in the United States by people on the right of the spectrum. Um, people in, in the United Kingdom have been a little bit derisory about it. Do you still hold out hope that people will come round to the Green New Deal? I, I, mean, I hold out hope that people will come round uh, because I think in the end, people are going to have to. I just don't have faith that people will come round in time for it to be uh, put in or instituted enough in advance to make a difference. Um, I mean, that's, that's the thing is like we're on a bit of a time crunch right now. So people will say, oh, you know, it'll just take a while to get people around to your way of thinking. But the issue is we don't have a while. So I've, I've heard Andrew Sims speak. Uh, I was on a panel with him a few months ago. He's amazing. And like he, I, if, if he isn't able to get everyone on side at this point, then it is hard to have faith um, that we'll get it sorted in time. But I do have hope. I think I have hope that we will. Hope is often um, very important in keeping these these campaigns going. It's good to hear there's still still hope from from campaigners. Because once the hope runs out, then people tend to stop campaigning. And I don't think uh, anyone's really hoping that will happen. Well, <laughs> well I think there's also a difference between hope and mm. faith. So it's like saying when people ask me if I have hope, I think a lot of the time they're asking me whether or not I have faith in it. So like I said, I don't have faith because I, I can't be even close to certain that we will achieve what we want to achieve. But there's still a chance that we will. And it's in that chance that hope resides. Uh, it's probably a quote I may well clip up and use for some part of the, the trailers for this podcast. That's um, brilliant. But um, to turn to the UK specifically, um, there have been a lot of, uh, well, press releases from from the government in in recent days about how it's been, uh, was it uh, twenty months of uh, 
of no coal used. Uh, I can't remember the exact um, numbers they were putting on it, but it's been a, a fairly considerable length of time. Is that a step in the right direction or is it just pandering to uh, an audience they think will be receptive to that kind of press release? Uh, the cynic in me says that it is just pandering at this point because you can take lots of small steps that are good but until you make the bigger changes then no no number of small things is really going to make a dent in what needs to be done so whilst we still have the government um putting funding into into projects like hs2 which are destroying uh, large areas of ancient woodland and whilst they're still putting subsidies into uh, the animal agriculture industry and whilst all of these things are being done yes we can be like yeah that's it's good that you did that smaller thing but at the same time at the same time it's hard not to see it as pandering are you disappointed that the uk doesn't have a specific um department of energy and climate change as it did up until i think it was July 2016? Yes, I'm, I'm disappointed. Um, sometimes it feels like people are deliberately trying to move us backwards from, from where we were or where we are because we had more subsidies for green energy and green energy product, uh, projects, but stuff is being repealed and the wrong stuff is being put in. So yeah, it is... It's annoying to say yeah, the least. It's now, um, just so people have the understanding, it's now part of the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. Uh, people may have seen uh, the Business Secretary, Alok Sharma. Uh, he's been doing quite a few of the press conferences. That is the Secretary of State, uh, essentially with responsibility over climate change. Uh, to just shift over slightly to another uh, topic that was revolving around the United Kingdom, uh, COP26. Um, that is the uh, actually the conference on on climate change, which uh, was meant to be taking place, uh, well, just basically as we hit the peak of the coronavirus crisis. It's now been moved back to uh, what is it? The first couple of weeks of November in twenty twenty one. Is that too long a delay? I think that doing an like, like doing an outright thing where they decided the new date and put it so far back was the wrong thing to do. It may turn out that that was that that's the right date and that it's not going to be safe up until then. But I think they could have just said we're postponing it, and then looking at when it would be safe to hold it. I think that outright giving a date, especially one that is so far away was probably the wrong thing to do i i'm not in their position so i i worry that i'm just um <laughs> clutching at straws here to, to feel annoyed about something but yeah it does it it just seems a bit weird to like push it more than a year away from now when we don't actually know how soon things are going to get better. yeah um, lots of of people have been drawing a comparison between uh the gavi uh vaccine alliance conference which still happened virtually during the coronavirus crisis uh, and this uh, the cop 26 united nations conference which has been pushed back do you think it should have been uh, held virtually 
to try and speed up some of the processes? I think if it were possible, then they definitely should have looked into something like that. Uh, because just in general, flying everyone out to a climate change conference seems a bit weird anyway, a bit counter counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So looking at ways to do things virtually just anyway would have made sense. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if it would have been possible, but looking into something like that probably would have been something that they should have done, definitely. And also just something they should be looking at anyway, because, you know, creating ec- all those extra emissions from, of flying hundreds of people in probably isn't the best look. Yeah, for a, for a climate conference, it perhaps is a little um, yes, counterintuitive to, to fly from all countries across the world to, to meet up and talk about how emissions can be uh, can be cut. Um, I've just lost the page I was on. There we are. Um, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, obviously Boris Johnson, is um, very good at talking up his government's record on the environment. Uh, from your position, is he doing good for the environment in the UK? I think the issue with with this is that it is all relative. So someone like Boris Johnson could say, ah, we have done this, uh, and therefore we are doing much better than this other country. Uh, Because the issue at the moment is that most countries are doing fairly terribly. So Boris Johnson could say, oh, we're doing doing well compared to somewhere like the United States. Uh, It would be hard given that they're putting pipelines in uh, in on native land Mm. over there. But he's not doing enough because anything short of of throwing everything at it that you can isn't enough. So it might be better than other places, but I don't think it's good, and I definitely don't think it's good enough. I think that's a, that's a fairly fairly comprehensive um, answer. What initiatives would you like to see the government in the the United Kingdom uh, specifically get involved in? Because I'll just actually go back and correct something I said um, earlier. It's not uh, the the length of time I said it was. I can't actually remember how how long I said it was. We hadn't used coal for. I think about an extra zero on it. It's actually um, at midnight on the Wednesday just gone. It will be two full months uh, without burning coal to generate uh, electrical power, which is a drop from 40% of all the country's electricity coming from coal uh, a decade ago. So what areas would you like to see the government try and uh, try and develop our green initiatives into? Um, so there are so many initiatives that the government could be putting funding and resources into from cleaner energy, which not only would be better for the environment and for the people, but would also create clean jobs then initiatives such as um, instituting stuff like Teach the Future, um, putting money and resources into young people so that young people are able to learn about the climate crisis, but also learn to be empowered. Because I think part of the issue is that young people aren't empowered to make changes in our democracy. So it means that we're not listened to. So that is another thing that the government should be putting money into. And then there's just also so many other things um, from uh, putting money back into um, stuff like uh, local governments 
such as the county council so that they're then able to fund projects at a local level because say a bunch of the schools in a town want to get together to do a green project such as making a greenhouse um, or getting solar panels if the local authority is properly funded and able to help with that then it would be such a big boost so there are so many different initiatives that the government could be uh, putting resources into and buying into there's also stuff internationally uh, stuff like the Paris Agreement was great but it wasn't enough and people and governments aren't living up to it anyway so on an international level the world's governments including the UK government do just need to come together and put time money and resources into making sure that they're all being held accountable when it comes to the climate crisis and their own emissions. Uh, you mentioned the Paris Climate uh, Agreement. I can't much remember if that was uh, the COP21 or was it COP21, that particular uh, agreement? Uh, the one in, it was the, the Paris one, I know. Uh, we've come, well, if COP26 had happened, it would have been five conferences down the line and still America is, well, Donald Trump's announced he wants to withdraw from the, the Paris Agreement and is indeed mobilizing his environment and energy departments to try and get out of that. Is that the leadership you want to see from America on, on the world stage? No. no. <laughs> uh, what we need to see from places like America, because they have such a big influence over the rest of the world, partly because so much of our media comes from there, from Disney movies um, to even stuff like Friends, the TV show, which apparently is still culturally relevant several years later, is a lot of the world looks to America, uh, maybe not for guidance, but looks to America when it comes to culture, um, when it comes to like interactions and how especially Western countries or um, developed countries uh, uh, handle themselves because they're just so culturally relevant. So we need to be having strong leadership, uh, strong green leadership from places like the United States. And the issue at the moment is that we're not getting any of that. And not only are they, you know, attacking their own citizens, like in future by not investing in the climate now, they are literally attacking their own citizens right now. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll move on uh, to that and... particular issue in just a, a separate part of the podcast after we've uh, tackled some more of the elements yeah. on, on the environment. But um, we've mentioned how, well, you've mentioned how you'd like to see the, the UK um, government develop its environmental strategies. Do you have, and I'll use, I'll use your word, do you have any faith that the the incumbent president will uh, preside over any manifest shift in their their policies because uh, obviously we know the US uh, after the 9-11 terrorist attacks and their fractious relationships with the Middle East have tried to push for energy independence uh, but notably they've prioritized oil and coal and gas over any uh, other initiatives do you have any faith that they'll change from that approach in the future? Not, not in the foreseeable future. Uh, at the moment, they seem very, very reliant on fossil fuels. And due to corporate lobbying from the fossil fuel industry, a lot of politicians have essentially been bought out. So until there is 
until there is like a massive shift in their politics i don't think any of the current politicians especially the um the probable president to be i don't yeah i just don't think that there's going that they are going to do the right thing um for this um i think that until they are gone we're probably not going to have that shift away from fossil fuels over uh to Green so you're sort of nervous. pinning your hopes on the the next generation. The I think you called them the Justice Democrats in your your last answer on American politics. Yes. Uh, so the Justice Democrats. It's a, a group of non corporately funded Democrats in the in the United States. I think the the issue at the moment is that we don't have time, which is why why we're all pushing so hard. Like all of us climate activists. Why we're pushing so hard to try and make change with the current politicians we have is in the hopes that we can change something now and maybe bring on that that shift. So people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or AOC, as she's often known, do give me hope. And I have faith in people like her that they will do the right thing. Um, but we really need the American public to take a stand um, and, do, and fight for what is right because we can't put faith in a lot of politicians so there's a, an election yes. coming up and i think they have to they have to just have to try and vote the right way and make changes where they can but i i don't like the idea of trying to put my faith on people who aren't able to make a difference yet or aren't able to make a big enough difference yet because a lot of people have said to me that i give them hope for the future and that they know i'm going to do the right thing and i don't have time like in order for me to be able to make the changes, I still have a few more years left. Like I would need to finish school. I'd probably need to go to university um, and then go into politics probably or something like that to try and make a difference. And we just don't have time for that. So we've kind of got to try and hope that these politicians can do the right thing, even if we don't have faith that they will. That is a, a sobering reality, I guess, of the, the current situation with the, the time warnings um, running out, we're putting closer and closer to uh, when people are saying that this will be the final chance we have to change things and the current generation you just don't have any any faith in, um, which I guess is why you, you do your, your thing in activism, to try and change the minds of people to be able to put your faith in the current generation rather than uh, a future generation. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like, I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is just assuming that climate activists are either really, really cynical and have absolutely no hope, or that climate activists are so full of hope and this idea that we can do something. So you're absolutely right that I think stuff is possible and achievable. I just don't think it's I don't think it's the most likely thing to happen. But because it's not the most likely thing to happen, that's why we have to fight to make it happen. Uh, I'm not the sort of person who you can invite on a podcast and give you really, really hopeful words and inspiring things to think about because that's just not the reality. But I can tell you that we can make a difference and stuff like people making podcasts like this one or every climate activist that stands up, all of these things go towards making a difference and making it so that things can change. A lot of people will say stuff like, oh, I'm not going to go to climate strikes because they're not going to make a difference. But the reason they're not making as much of a difference as people want is because not enough people go to them. So it's that thing of like, 
in order to in order to make that difference we need to all stand up and it's about having enough hope in the idea that humans are good and that we can achieve stuff even if you don't have faith that we will to be able to stand up and try and make a difference basically that is it for this second episode of the politics unbox interview with ej Fawcett. Uh, be sure to come back for part three the final part uh, which will be out soon uh, but until then hope to see you all around again soon for the next episode and goodbye mm-hmm.